Well, welcome once again to Satini. Uh, yeah. We're on episode three, uh, entitled Real Life, and it's just a joy to be here with you, Takozo, again. Mm -hmm. uh, so nice of you to be here and Sitabile. I've uh, so enjoyed this journey um, and looking forward once again uh, to tonight. Um, as we've said each week, the aim of this podcast is to create a a safe, uh, gospel-centered context mm. uh, in which we can consider some of the tough topics that are relevant in our country, needed, desirable in our country. And uh, mm. our desire is that people, because of this, would maybe have their own conversations. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're really excited yeah. about. I mean, it's not that exciting listening to us have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd far rather that they yeah end up growing the courage to, or stepping out to, reaching out to others, yeah. and that they have conversations that are both helpful, that are hopeful, uh, around these issues of race, inequality, experiences, questions, hurt, hope, mm -hmm. uh, and all of them being centered around the gospel. Uh, so mm -hmm. Takoza, what, what are we talking about tonight when we talk about real life? So um, tonight we're basically talking about our experiences, um, and we're really not uh, experts at this. <laughs> we're not professors. Um, I think we've read maybe enough. Um, no, we like haven't. we're not compen um, commentators or anything like that, academics, but um, we're just cross followers. Um, and all we're trying to do is just have a conversation about how do we live as cross followers um, um, in, in this day and age. In this beautiful, complex, yeah. frustrating company, <laughs> yes, country. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's all we're trying to, that's all we're trying to do here. So, and yeah. it's not a, it's not a manual. <laughs> it's not a manual on how to survive South Africa as a Christian, but mm. we hope Survival it's, 101. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that we hope um, creates the change or changes conversations um, to be more Mm. fruitful and have a more healing result. Yeah. What, what I love do. is that we've, we've uh, pressed the record button mm. and we've let people listen in on a journey we're actually on ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and so we definitely haven't arrived. Mm -hmm. And oh, I've yeah. loved being on this journey with you guys and with Nganga. Mm. Nganga isn't here tonight, but uh, mm. it's, it's just such a, a sweet thing. Yeah. Uh, in in my life uh, and something that I consider to be a privilege. So thanks, yeah. guys. And uh, for so those cool. of you who are watching or listening, uh, you're welcome. Uh, it's so nice to have you with us and mm -hmm. listening in. Mm -hmm. Such a privilege that people would want to listen to a bunch of us <laughs> plebs sitting on a couch <laughs> talking. Uh, <laughs> we don't know if they are, but uh, um, yeah, what a, what a joy. Mm. Uh, in one sense, all of us, you know, we didn't decide the country of our birth. Mm. We didn't decide when we'd be born or who we'd be born to. Yeah. Mm. Don't get to choose your family, you get to choose your friends. <laughs> <laughs> but all of us have been profoundly shaped by the fabric, by the history Definitely. and the experiences of this country. Mm. And we've been damaged yeah. by this country. I consider myself to have been damaged. Uh, you know, I'm a bit older than you guys, not much. But I'm a bit older <laughs> and, you know, I grew up uh, in the years of apartheid mm. and that's a complicated thing in my head. Mm. The first opportunity I had to vote was the referendum to decide whether Mandela should be let out of prison and whether we should move towards a democratic uh, process was at least how I remember. That was the first thing in my ID book. Mm. That's the first stamp in my ID book. Um, and I don't say that proudly, I actually say that from a complicated perspective. You know, I often, we both know Sabongi Senid Lamini, mm. our good friend and mm. my fellow elder, and we were born one year apart. Mm. And if you track our journeys and the privilege I had and the experience he had, two guys who now work together mm. and God's brought us to this place. But we, we live in a very complicated country, don't yeah. we? And all of us, have, you, you can't escape it, can you? No. Mm -mm. It's, yeah, it's something that subconsciously is with you. Mm. You, can't, you can't turn it off. We, well, 
yeah, now we can try and raise our kids differently, hopefully shelter mm. them as much mm. as we can from the harsh realities we lived in. Do you want to shelter them or do you want to expose them? Um, I'd like it controlled, <laughs> the exposure. That's surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we, our systems were overloaded. We, mm. we were dealing with, well, I, I, I know you, too much. you're born free. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've got quite different experiences here. White guy, yeah. born in apartheid, born yeah, in apartheid, born, born free. <laughs> so, so yeah, what, what I grew up in, I see like she has no fears, no, she doesn't restrict herself. Mm. She's, and that's a joy. It's a see. joy to see. It shocks me sometimes. I'm like, I don't know where she gets it from because mm. I grew up in... Yeah, in a very, in a, you weren't told don't do that. You just knew that I can't aspire to be that. I mm. can't be that. I can't, my dreams are limited to just this box. So you had to really push through and yeah. uh, to, mm. and your parents were keen for that to happen, but it required a, a monumental <laughs> effort, but my it's mom. such a different experience seeing your daughter. Seeing I mean, she, 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 she just walks into our she, office meetings here and she just doesn't just see like, it. Yeah. You know, and it's like now you grow up with people talking about, oh, black tax, this, black tax, that black tax is a term used where uh, the elder, the older kids take care of the younger kids and their parents. And it's something that actually makes sense to me because my mom didn't have a life. Mm. She basically gave her all for us to have a, have a, like, a chance mm. at a better life. Mm. So she, she didn't leave. Any money she made is like your education, um, have uniform, and then her pay is gone, mm. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I would gladly give everything for her to have a comfortable life. That, that's my black tax. Mm. My mom. Mm. <laughs> oh, jeez, mm. I jumped right into my experiences. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's no. it's just how how um, growing up in South Africa has shaped me. It's like I know I have to like take care of mom, but also balance that my my daughter mustn't see the country through my eyes. I must try and not taint how she experiences. Mm. Um, so now. Yeah. You don't want your daughter to see the country through your eyes. Mm. That reminds me of something that happened to you earlier this mm. year, yeah. where there was stuff that your mom had shielded you from. Yes. But suddenly something happened on TV and it broke on your shore. Yeah. 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 Um, so in one sense, isn't she going to face those at some stage? Yeah. Uh, oh, and you want the freedom that she's enjoying, but actually yeah. she must maybe understand some of those things? or. Mm. Uh, I want, I would rather it happen, um, I just wanted to enjoy her, her, her innocent years. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want her to experience and start, like my radio Seeing is always, Seeing a complicated yes. world type thing. So my radio is always up and I, and I don't want that for her. It's, it's, it's not a miserable life, but it's not an easy life. And especially for a, an 11 year old, I don't want that on her. Mm-hmm. When she's older, I can start breaking those things down yes. to her. I'm like, baby, you remember mm. when you asked to go to so-and-so's party or you invited them and their mom said no? <laughs> mm. Mm. But you were friends in school, but you can't visit her house? Mm. You know, those kind of things. Mm. Though I, I just break them off gently. Oh, maybe they're away. But I know, at the back of my mind, I'm like, mommy saw the color. <laughs> You know, mm, but yeah. you don't say those things because I wanted to experience life, be happy really? freely. Yeah. yeah. So, Takuzo, how has growing up in South Africa shaped, damaged you? Um, in different ways, eh? In different ways. Um, when I sort of do an introspection, maybe in 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 into that question, um, I love the term "born free." But I beg to differ that we're still free. Hey, <laughs> true. Especially true. as a black man. That's um, just post-1990, let's call it yeah. that. <laughs> I, the thing is, what happened in 94 might have been significant, but the, old, the, the question that always looms around my mind is, was it, was it really sufficient? Mm. You know? um, I'm not a, naive enough to say you know, it wasn't significant or anything of, of sort. Mm. 
Um, it, it, it has. I do have experiences. It has changed the way I, I look at life. I never had the opportunity maybe to um, have a mom or a dad who uh, sort of says to me, you know, this is a white person, you must, you must treat them like that or anything of sort. Um, but it, 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 it has, when I was growing up, it has damaged the relationship. Maybe I had the opportunity to have a dad because constantly my dad was away. So sure. I never even got a, till to this day, actually. <laughs> Maybe it's just about him, I don't know. Um, Did he work away or? No, he didn't work away. Uh, that's the thing. But because of he needed to be at work quite early to late, I never got to see my dad. Um, and in, in, in last week's uh, or the previous episode that we spoke about, you sort of alluded to this thing that men now need to show that they're men mm. in our African culture. Um, although my dad didn't do that, but it did sort of deprive us as a family to have a dad, a dad who's loving, a dad who will protect yeah. us or anything like that, mm. you know. Mm. So it, it, it has damaged me in a way, um, but also with 1994 again and democracy, it has also offered us born freeze, um, an opportunity to be in a space where we can even have this conversation, you know? Mm. So it's not all bad, um, mm. but yeah. So I'd, I'd like to add to that. It's like there was a change, but the way the apartheid system was so, um, I don't know if efficient is the right way. It's like it, it damaged its generations. It's mm. gonna take a mm. while to, just for one family to come out from under that thumb, mm. just financially, um, health. The way you think? The way you think, it's... it's, mm. it's the way you even perceive life, eh? Exactly. Mm. So it's that deep. You may be born free, but you, you still, the ramifications, mm. like, affect you directly. Mm. Yeah. I know that uh, we haven't been damaged in the same way. And it might be difficult for you guys to hear me as a white person in South Africa who grew up with privilege to say, I believe I and people like me were also damaged. We were damaged in different ways, very different ways. But like yeah. now, uh, we, we'll talk about this at other stages, but the, the sense of white guilt. You, yeah. you had a racist incident just the other day. Yeah in our church building, mm. not from a member of our church, but from someone who was hiring yeah. uh, the, venue. Uh, the, the venue. And Sister Bile is the venue manager. I mean, she's mm. basically my boss. Uh, and, uh, but she was treated as, and actually- I was called. Called the tea lady. And I think more than once. And uh, he was apologizing for the entire race. <laughs> you know, so it, it profoundly triggered something in me. Mm. Uh, it made yeah. me feel embarrassed to be white. Yeah. Uh, it, it brought up all senses of uh, guilt and things that I can't change. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, again, we didn't choose where we were born, what the address was, what our parents were, yeah. you know. Um, I've said already, you know, when I think of Robert's story and the challenges and his family being uh, taken off land uh, around Kranzkorp and that land going to a farmer and then, then being given a measly amount of, of money, uh, that radically affects me because that money is all part of the system that gave me some, some advice. We've all been damaged, but we've yeah. been damaged in different, in different ways. ways. Hey, and yeah. um, Even just, I always imagine that it, for just like how we were born into a system that was already set up, you know, it just conditioned our thinking. The other race, now the white, the, the white kids, they grew up thinking this is a way of life. Mm. So they, they... This is normal. It was normal for them. This is how the world is. And then now to get to 94 and then we've been sanctioned, you know, now you're starting to learn this is actually wrong. 
I can't imagine the damage it does to a kid who's been thinking, um, I'm living for God, this is, you know? Mm. And then suddenly you find out, what I'm on the wrong of, side yeah. of this, yeah. you know? And, and it's not something you voted on, it's not something you decided, it's something you were, it can't be easy. Yeah. But it's something you can't remove yourself from. You, yeah. you, you're part of it. You're part of We're, it. And, and I think what you're saying about 1994, it's not that 1994 wasn't a significant moment. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I remember standing in the queues and voting mm. and those photos. It is a significant moment. Um, but mm. it, it, it's not maybe as significant in separating your two experiences yeah. is, is maybe some of what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Huh? It's definitely mm. not. Um, and obviously there's certain advantages at a young age that, that you could access, that you couldn't, or it was more difficult to access at your, at, at, at your it stage. Wasn't. Huh? Yeah. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't. So there are some differences, but it, you know, it's, not, it's not everything. Hey. Yeah. The one, I remember the one significant thing was, we can go to all, any school, any school. Mm. Yeah. They can't turn you back. Mm. It was a big thing. Like, mom was like, you, you can pick any university now. I'm like, really? Because now, before it was Mgoi, Unizulu or Mangosut. That's yeah. it. Mm. You can't, you can't mm. even aspire. So there was a definite sense of opening up. Oh my gosh, let's yeah. see what everybody else mm. is offering, you know? Yeah. I, think, I think one of the things um, is when, as, as a um, maybe person who was born after the time, is... I had the opportunity also to look at what happened based on history and books and what mm. you do read and look at what's happening now. And I think one maybe of the moments, and I think this is very important that we're even having this conversation is, you look at even, even that, for, for me, getting excited with universities, like, <laughs> it's, it's normal, you know, like, just choose Not a shared experience. It's a shared experience. <laughs> so at, at, at the time of mm. maybe going into democracy, we had different aspirations as to what we wanted the country to be. Mm -hmm. But then maybe after 25 plus years, mm -hmm. we then going back and saying, was that actually enough? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And part of doing that is sort of bringing this stuff up that mm -hmm. actually I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm not free, you know, mm -hmm. to a certain extent, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's quite exciting that you even shared that. Because <laughs> <You laughs> I always think about like university. Oh, come on. One of the ways uh, I, I believe I've, I've been damaged by apartheid is we said in week one that a uh, key thing is seeing each other as image bearers of Jesus Christ and mm. so equal value. And, and I absolutely detest myself sometimes when I'm in a situation mm. and you have that initial thought where you've summed up a situation or you, you feel like you're not safe or you uh, come to an assumption. And when you interrogate that assumption, you realize I, this is not rational. Mm. This is racist. Mm. And, and I describe myself, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this in a future episode, I think next, next week. Yep, mm -hmm. that sounds good. Uh, but I now see myself as a recovering racist. Mm. Uh, I'll never forget being in Durban once and uh, I was on my motorbike and mm. I'm not a fearful person. And I'm just waiting at a pedestrian crossing and I wasn't even really aware of where I was. And, and, and a whole lot of black people started to walk across the pedestrian crossing and suddenly I thought, um, am I safe? And thinking, would I have had that thought if there was the same number of people? But white. Uh, but white or Indian. Huh. It, it wasn't a rational thought. It's, it's a born and bred in South Africa thought. And I resent that. You know, I, I don't like that in me. It's but I find thing. it's very deep down somewhere yeah. you know and it's and i've been leading a multicultural church for mm. 18 years i was part of a multicultural church in cape town for an equal number of years um so i've really been on a journey and yet there's funny little moments where those things come up and i don't like it when it does and obviously i deal with it 
Mm -hmm. um, but I, that's a way that, you know, you're not that's seeing how. people just as people. You're seeing these layers. You first see the, and it's hard yeah. to not see those layers. Yeah. You know, and obviously we celebrate diversity and difference. That, yeah. That's not the issue. Mm -hmm. But um, the, it's the, the I, see, I know exactly what you mean. A room full of white people intimidates. It's, it's like, an intimidating Yes, setting, yeah. yes. You immediately you check yourself. You, you literally assess yourself, do I look presentable? I don't look like a street person, or, you know. You double think before you contribute. Yes, or, th yeah. those type of things, you, because you, you feel like, um, I always have this at the back of my mind that I could be this person's only view of, of black people. Mm. So I could be a Are you saying you feel a responsibility? Yes. You're a spokesperson. Can you stop? <laughs> but it's, it's almost like, because I feel, not that I feel a need to, but I always feel like I need to f not fix. It's a huge responsibility to fix the, the perception mm. that I think this is why I, put, I always put so much pressure on myself because I'm always like, we gotta fix this. Cause... So you're perception managing. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I always, not yeah that I'm. Yeah or no? <laughs> the so there, the there's confession. It feels like there's a responsibility. Yes, yes mm. because, mm. I, you know, there, there's so many stereotypes about black women and, you know, so whenever I'm, mm. I'm the only black person in the room. I feel like I need to be on my best behavior because I don't want to give black people a bad name. But that's also the shape of apartheid. It's like you feel I need to correct the system. Mm. <laughs> or like you don't belong here. Or I don't belong, then I, I have to like overcompensate, mm. you know? Anyway. The funny part is it's maybe different for, for me. Really? Yeah. How so? It's, it's, I was at, at some point in my life at that stage, but then I think what, what maybe even changed the perspective I had was being in a multicultural church. See, because so you had that privilege. I had that privilege. <laughs> From about <laughs> after, age after, 17? Yeah, somewhere there, immediately mm. after my trick. So it changed a whole perspective. Maybe for the first two mm. years I was in the church, it, I still had the but same But then sentiment. you were still young and as a Zulu guy, yeah. well, you must keep quiet. I come from a family <laughs> where, hey, so the only... The, well, I want to come back to that. The you know, only multicultural interaction I've had outside of a workplace is this church. Hmm. I'm not even joking. I've never been at a white, white person's house, um, Never at never a social. Never had been. Never. If, if, if it wasn't work, because we, well, the, the, the place I worked at had a, had a pub on site. Mm. So that's where we would social, but it would still be work and you'd still be monitored. So it's a certain setting. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you'd still be monitored. So it, so it wasn't still even social. It's not say. social. Mm. So this is the only place where I've been with other races in a place where I'm me. I'm representing me, not. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do. Do you understand what mm. I'm saying? So, sit a bit of a prison. You've you've had you've had to relax because this is the, you've grown up with it. Yeah. Me, the only time I've been around white so, people is when I'm employed. So you only you joined the church last 2019, 18 last months year. ago or so. Hey. Yeah. So that's been a relatively new experience for you. Uh, yes. Huh. Church environment, yes. And a journey you're still on. Maybe. So, I mean, we, we're going to get to this, the kind of the second part of tonight is talking about being a multicultural mm. church. Is it even possible? Yeah. Uh, you've experienced it is possible, but actually uh, there's things that would be really helpful to keep growing, which is having people in your home, like you've never invited me to your home yet. Uh, 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 I've had you in mind, but, but being in one another's homes oh, is, yeah. a, is, a, is an important thing. Hey, yeah. uh, I've sat at your kitchen table. I haven't had supper at your place yet, but- uh, Just yet, <laughs> getting there. But, but these, these are important things. They, they're very yeah. simple things, but they're actually deep things, aren't they? Yeah. You, you used a phrase just now. I said, all people have been damaged. Uh, as a pastor of a congregation that lives in 
great to remember some Toti. Uh, so Adam's Mission, Beck Rwanda, Ilovo, uh, Kwafeligis, uh, Athlone Park, Ezemangweni, mm. mm. uh, all the suburbs. Um, I'm regularly in what would be called a township. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I get called the Mlungu all the time and it hurts. Is it? This I is why. Because you're just saying, white guy, white guy, <laughs> essentially. So, I mean, if, if, if I saw you on the street and I just said, black, <laughs> like you'd say, put it. <laughs> I mean, you are black, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but it's offensive. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But basically, and it's wondered. not just kids. Mm. Uh, I mean, it happens all the time. Now, okay, I am sticking out like a sore thumb, admittedly. <laughs> and it and I don't have white skin. I've got peach on... skin, as my daughter once said. If I'm you must, also. <laughs> if you must know. But it doesn't um, help when you're but on your actually, motorbike. It's offensive. Like... You know, it's offensive because mm. actually my name's Gareth. Uh, or the other thing that really riles me is guys who've got no relationship to me. There's no employment relationship, and they're calling me boss. Yeah. Why are you calling me boss? Mm. Like, you don't know my name, so you could call me Numzan or you could call me Mr. Mm. You know, that would be totally acceptable. Or, hey, you. Mm. But yeah. why are you calling me white? White guy, essentially, or, or there's a white. Mm. Uh, anyway. The thing is, Numzan. The thing is, that's the term we get taught from a very young age. Mm. A white so person. But is why is that socially acceptable when it would be not socially acceptable for a white person to go black? No, hey, they, black. Don't, they don't say, they say boy or girl. Even if it's a grown man, the garden boy. Now that's <laughs> totally wrong. You know, I, I agree. Mm. So that, I mean, that is atrocious. That's where it comes from. So, yeah. but this is my point, yeah. is that it's not just black people who've been damaged. Yes, and black yes. people have been damaged in a very different way yeah. to white people who have had privilege. And I totally take that. And mm. anyone who rebuffs that, yeah. noted. <laughs> but the, the damage isn't just economic. Mm. No, it's not. Mm. So I, I've always wondered if white people get offended by that term. I think most people don't know what it means. Mlung. I mean, there was one guy who had a t-shirt on TV written Mlung, so it, was, it seemed as if it was okay. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe I'm being oversensitive, but no, 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 I just want to be seen as a person. No, know? I know. I, yeah. So my sister and I have a new term. When we talk about, because I'm like, they all know the term I'm longer now. <laughs> so, so you're conscious of it. <laughs> so you say, like, I'm coming in, you mean? Yeah, I'm coming in. They come with their fingers because they've got fine hair. I know it's, a, it's, it's bad. It's just as bad as Mlung. Yeah, I don't think that's advancing the <laughs> cause much. <laughs> I know. But it's it, like... It, no, well, let's talk... Here, here's a question for you, which, which fits right into your new definition of combing yeah. with your hands. Um, in, what ways, in what ways do we, even as Christ followers, unintentionally perpetuate the problem of ongoing racism or its impact? In, in, in what ways yeah. ha have we actually contributed to perpetuating that? Yeah, so just the, the, when we came up with the term with the restaurant, my sister was unhappy with her meal. We had a white guy serving us. Instead of telling him, hey, these are under season, mm. we would like, we were like, hey, Lynn, oh, you know, you start complaining and then we start talking Zulu. He can't understand. It's mm. not going to fix the, our problem, mm. but mm. <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh. so it's venting, it's but it's like, not actually challenging it's, whatever no, you've just experienced. No, because also so you've internalized it. Yes, huh? but also because we worried that because you or I assume will be dismissed. Mm. So just why even bother? Because often when a black person complains, it's like so you've oh, seen sorry. yourself as less than a valued person. Yes. Then. So you like why even bother? Because they'll just tell me take it or you know leave it. They won't fix it. Mm. So we, we all, it's been such a so recurrent. So it's self so. Yeah, type of thing. I think so maybe we, I've definitely. We, we, so can you please repeat the question again? So in what ways, even as Christ followers, mm. or do we actually 
perpetuate the impact of racism yeah. mm. by what we do or don't do, mm. uh, like not speaking up not in that speaking moment. Up, assuming so now that person's just going to carry on, they're going to do it and again. And nothing changes because yeah. you're not speaking up. I think one in particular um, will be, in, you, you know, maybe seeing black people as, and, and maybe the, this might come up, but anyway, let me just say it. So maybe seeing the black society as, as sort of an opportunity for charity. Um, and I've oh, seen that, that a lot, excellent. linger a lot in our country. So like moment. a paternalistic attitude. Exactly. So you'll find maybe... Would we'll do it for them. Oh yeah, do it yeah. for them. Or, or um, for me to get this, uh, let me just take a photo with a certain group of race of people, which you wouldn't have the same reaction if it was maybe a white kid. Mm. So and, it's just window dressing. And, 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 yeah. and, and predominantly, yes, in the NGO uh, sort of maybe charity work, it is usually Christ followers or people who um, are of God. And then, and, then, and then you see this a lot. And, and the narrative has changed, to be quite honest. You know, The narrative has changed where we really don't need sometimes even food parcels because I, I work or my brother works or things like this. So sometimes it does create or, or sort of... Um, um, adds more to that mm. racial narrative a lot of times. Mm. So mm. that's just one of the things that I've, mm. I've sort of seen, yeah. Mm. Uh, are there, I know we've shared some personal stories already, but any personal stories you want to share where you've been on the receiving end of, of, uh, of racism? Uh, How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. I've had sheesh. But again, just like the, the tea lady incident, I've just, I don't know, I've just learned to accept these things and not challenge them. Is that not a way that you perpetuate it? Yes. So, but also because I don't like conflict. So I would say maybe, maybe God should fix it. But this is why I challenged myself with participating in this podcast because I was like, I can't avoid this forever. And... I sort of want to be a better, it'll help me parent better, probably, if this area of my life heals. Mm. Or I start, because I'm so attached to this view, you know, or to this mm. experience that I'm not welcoming different perspectives, like hearing how you experience um, racism and things like how the words umlungu, you know, things I wouldn't know from my bubble. Mm, mm. So, yeah. So I do want to, to challenge myself and get out of this box. And So would you say it's, it's hard to even identify one or two things because it's not one or two things mm -mm. in South Africa. Mm. There are encounters that you're having almost daily. Almost mm. daily. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, it, I think like what you, what you said, um, that we're all recovering racist at yeah. the end of the day. People can beg to differ with that, but we mm. are. We'll deal we, with that more fully next week, but <laughs> yes. that'll be a good conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> m m maybe, um, like it's funny how you just said how much time you have. Mm. I'll also have the same thing, like how much time you have. Mm. Um, and, and I haven't lived in an era where there yeah. is a lot of that. Sorry, yes. Now, I was going to say, it's hard to know how much of it is actually happening and how much of it is in your head. Because mm. like, like how you say, mm. you could be having one conversation, but in your mind, you're thinking, excuse me. So you you're know? filtering it. You see. Or is this happening? You mm. see. And in South Africa, so, it's both. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's both. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a person could just genuinely be oblivious to... Mm. to you know, the race, the differences and whatever, they could just be expressing myself, but themselves. But I'd be like, oh, I know you didn't just say that. Mm. I'm already defensive because mm. I'm coming from with this So that background. sounds exhausting. Some, yeah, it is, it is. But again, <laughs> this, is, this is where um, I've had to, to, to be Welcome. intentional mm. with, with challenging like how I didn't call that guy out I just said okay then I won't be joining you for for lunch and mm. I hung up mm. I had these things in my head but I was just like how much of this is you looking in the mirror because sometimes so I'm actually bigger than this than mm. you know what I mean? <laughs> no what I'm in a, in a positive way like 
I don't have to accept this. Ultimately, I can vote with my feet. Yeah. yeah. Hmm? So it has to be that daily where I'm like, hang on, is this you just reacting from a place of hurt or is this something that's really happening hmm. before, before you escalate things? Hmm. You know, it's funny you say that also. Like, you say that must be exhausting. A friend of mine usually mm. says to me, like it's painful being a white person. And I usually say to him, what do you mean by that? And he says, you know, like always when you talk to them, it's like they're always defensive. You get what I'm saying? So in a way, it comes back to what we've been talking about, that it's, it, it has damaged a lot of people. It has. And the person I'm talking about is not like 37 or anything like this. Mm. It's a young person. But that's what they see a lot mm. of times, mm. you know? And it has been damaging. And maybe to maybe go back to what you said, like in sort of what some of the experiences we've had, it wasn't really, maybe one story I'll share, it wasn't really the person being racist on me or being unjust on me or anything. It could have been maybe just thoughts mm. and me sort of coming back at them. Projecting, So yeah. in the environment that I work in, um, there's a lot of dealing with different type of people in different positions. Mm. And what you do see a lot of times is that the people at the top of the food chain is usually predominantly white people. Mm. And sometimes you have to deal with those white people. Mm. Now being a young black South African, it can be difficult, even though I did say, I approach it differently, mm. but I approach it differently because I have to constantly work at it, mm. yeah. right? It's still lingering in my head because that's how I was brought up, mm. that you must be in fear, mm. must respect. Mm. Um, so it, it is difficult. So this one instance, it, it just happened that I came across this person who we are in the same field and we're discussing something or something sort of came up with sort of a common or mutual client of ours. Mm. And then we sort of had a discussion. It wasn't racial, it was legal. It was mm. a legal sort of a thing. <laughs> Now, because we're in we are in the same field, we should be in agreement. But what he was saying, it was totally different and not illegal. So I then said to him, much older than me, white, and an African, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but an African person. And at that time, when we had that argument, I knew I was right. Now, as I said, maybe in the previous episode, what starts kicking in is that it's better to be Christ-like than to I be right. I think you've mentioned that quote on quite every a few episode. Times. Yes. <laughs> every episode. But at that time, at the time, to be quite honest, yeah. I was like, you I don't care, care about being Christ-like. <laughs> Sometimes it's easier to care. ask for forgiveness. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's a bad so I was like, you know what? I actually don't care. So to maybe to give you context, so this guy, the one guy who's a, the client, and then there's me. So there's three of us here. So this one guy is raising this point. Now he's saying, no, this is the way that it's supposed to be. And I say to him, no, let's open the book and, and actually see what it says. So we do open the book. Mm. And he says, no, 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 this is not what he says. Maybe you can't read English. But I said, no, it's here. This is what it says. And it started becoming sort of Ooh. this sort of argument. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and at the time, I was like, I'm just giving up. That's what I literally say at the time. That this white person, this white person is crazy, and Thank I sort you. of left the conversation at mm. that. Mm. And I was like, after a while, <laughs> I got in the car. I was like, okay, I did mess that one up. I literally messed mm. that one up. But it, it's those sort of things that do mm. happen a lot of times, and you're not conscious mm. of it at times. It's like, it's the scratch the surface thing. And exactly. Then scars come out. So you just mentioned uh, just before you started recording about you were in a certain position. Mm. earning a certain salary, <laughs> and then what happened? Yeah, so the one thing that motivated, well, I, after I left the position, I left the company because I, it was just cream at the top. That's what they say. It's a racial term, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe we should make you list all these guys. <laughs> and then pray over them. They're coming out. <laughs> but it's like, if it's only just white executive, white directors, first level management is white people, then you start seeing black people here, where it's like quality control, uh, mm. HR, because mm. they need somebody who understands that. So it was that type of company. And then I wasn't earning much, but this guy started praying about how he only had a standard two and he's like a sales rep and he's earning mm. thousands. And I was like, okay, that's it, I'm done. Mm. <laughs> it clearly, this is the ceiling here, you know? Mm. 
So after I left, I bumped into the HR's assistant at, in town. I was going to a salon to do my hair, and she tells me, oh, you know, they're hired in this position. And guess how much, what, guess how much his starting salary was? And it was literally double what mm. I was getting with zero experience. For the same role. Same role, and he had mm. no experience. Mm. So those things are hard, hey? Yeah. Those are hard too, because it's like, Lord, we, I do everything by the book. Mm. They said, have this. Have this experience, have mm. this qualification, study that. And then you do all that and still it's like you're not even in the field. You're still on the sidelines. So know? obviously we live in a very complicated mm. country with B-E-E-E-E-E-E. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, uh, oh, it's reversed mention. now for like my children coming out of school, uh, my own yeah. kids. Uh, they have a harder road to to travel in one sense. Mm. Uh, I think there's there's other things in their favour because of legacy and yeah. uh, uh, ownership in in businesses and things so like that. What, yeah. But these are these are very complicated things, aren't they? Mm. And uh, yeah, and as South Africans, we all experience them in different ways. I'll, I'll never forget when Luke uh, made the KZN cricket team. I think it was under twelve but then received a letter saying, sorry, you didn't make it because there's a quota uh, and these are the numbers from the different racial groups that we need to have. And mm. me having to have this conversation with my son and it's a, it, it's a silly thing like cricket. Yeah, you know, it's, it's still... <laughs> uh, but um, I remember having that conversation with him and, and saying to him that uh, this isn't fair for you, but we live in a country that's been very unfair for the majority of our country for mm. a very long time. And so I'm asking you mm. with me to accept this unfairness in light of all of that unfairness, mm. which I can't say is fair to you, but there's a, there, there, there is a story behind the story type of thing. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think we really need to you know, navigate these, these moments like that. In what ways would you say that uh, you feel God is healing you uh, from the things that you have experienced, have witnessed, and even are still experiencing and witnessing, because you know, it hasn't just stopped. But no, how do you feel God's been healing you? Mm -hmm. um, um, I think the, I'm more self-aware of my, it's not a, my, my thoughts and my, my first. The, like the reaction. Yes. So I am more conscious of this. And you know the, the thing when they say um, sin, sin that's hidden really grows and festers and starts getting mm. cousins and stuff. This cousin has sins thing. But if I see it and I'm like, God, please help me. Mm. I just always go so like... you turn that into prayer. Mm. I'm like, God, fix because I was like, I, I don't think I was kind to that person. Or my, as much as I didn't say it, I don't think that it was fair for me to think that or to assume that. Mm. Um, and I'm not as, I'm no saint in, at all. But I always just think about my salvation. I don't want to get to God, and and then he be, and he's like, well, you could have done more in this area, Sister Vile, mm. because mm. you had a lot of opportunities, mm. and you, I've, I have been put. Recently, I feel like I've been constantly put in situations where I've, I've been having to face these these areas, and I'm just like, okay, so this is this is the valley. This is my valley where I'm constantly. And that God's wanting to work <laughs> in you through yes, it, type of yes. thing. Yes, you know, like I'm constantly having to to face these these situations, and I have to choose to be Christ-like, mm. and and think of the not injuring that person, and work on me <laughs> type of thing. Mm. And it's not an easy journey because I, like I've said, it's things that I've hidden and I've pushed back and, I, and it's easy to pretend they don't exist. And but, in a church setting, it's not just wanting to grow yourself or mm. to become more godly, but also knowing that you've got some involvement in them growing. Exactly. Because if you just leave them where they're at, then you haven't loved them. Uh, and that's and you love conflict, you know what I mean. So, so that that's the potential challenge, yeah. hey. Because that's in one sense, challenge. it's 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 good to work on your own spirituality or your sense of Christ likeness. 
but you could easily face the challenge of saying, yeah, but you've just subjugated yourself and you've just let that person carry on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So I would say in a church context, there's, there's that responsibility, the personal responsibility, but then there's this responsibility for your brother or sister and wanting to help them journey. I across mm. there because I, always, I don't think I have the emotional maturity yet to be able to... Um, tackle those because <laughs> mm -hmm. I think maybe I'd just I feel like maybe I'd be offloading too much on the person and that feels so bad like I don't know this was such you know I don't want to I don't want to leave that on a person so that's why I always feel like maybe it's best if I work on me but then again that's my personality mm. it doesn't help <laughs> I know, so just coming back that. to how we perpetuate yeah. Uh, I'm not saying this is easy, but I think that's one of the ways we can perpetuate the yeah. problem. So for me, in that setting, um, in the squash club or something like that, it doesn't know, it doesn't happen at church. But yeah. um, you know, you can be in a conversation and suddenly people are speaking in a in a in a racist way, in a mm. derogatory way, towards uh, black people uh, and. And it's not easy to, in a conversation of six people or whatever, to say, hey, look, would you stop, would you stop talking like that? Or, yeah. you know, it's easier to just remove yourself from the room or mm. something yeah. like that. But then I think, okay, so that's good. I haven't participated, but is that enough? Mm. You know what I mean? Because then I've actually perpetuated it. Uh, but these are tough things. I, I, I concur with you. Uh, and I kind of tend to go towards <laughs> things like that rather, but, but, but they're tough. I'm still to, to call out this, this one guy we run with. He calls, whenever there's been a theft, he calls it affirmative shopping. And that comes from, you know, affirmative, affirmative action. action. So one day you need to say, do you know what that and, makes me feel like? Oh, wow. you know, huh? And I just feel like... <sighs> mm. if, the, just the fact, I'm not justifying any criminal activity or whatever, but just acknowledging the economic gap in our country, mm. the, the education, like so many people can't even access, their parents can't, could barely get them to metric because mm. social grants, that's when it cuts off age 18, mm. age 18 and then mm. NFSAS has, has been defrauded, mm. there's hardly any money got NFSAS. So it's like, you, 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 your, your, your job options are security guard, mm. gardening, tree mm. feller, construction worker. Mm. You so know. it's deeply offensive <sighs> what that man's saying. It's so at some stage you need to share <laughs> that with them in a non-confrontational way. Mm. Mm. Uh, um, we, we're running out of time. Because just last week, you were expressing lament. Mm. Uh, another thing had happened, another... Scandal. Another thing of, of uh, division in our country and, and seemingly intractable division. Mm. Is there hope for our nation? And if so, what is the hope for our nation? <laughs> the reason why I was lamenting maybe to come a little bit back to that was I just felt because there's been a lot of this happening, you're sort of starting to feel a bit tired of it. Mm. It's like, mm. I'm just exhausted. Mm. I don't want to read about it anymore. So there's a hopelessness in hopelessness that. Hopelessness yeah. in that. And then I think this is where also it helped just sharing that with you guys, that mm. actually there is still hope, you know? Mm. There is still hope. And, and if you were to ask me, our hope is still in Christ, the ultimate hope. Mm. Um, we wouldn't even be sitting, the three of us, here if it mm. wasn't for our journey as Christ followers. Yeah. So it is that at first. And I think maybe not to put too much pressure, but the responsibility is for our fellow members at RLC mm. to be conscious about the things that are happening mm. and to go out there and be the salt and light that Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew talks about. Mm. You know, So at the end of the day, it comes back to us as Christ followers and the members of the church to be a good representatives out there. Mm. Um, That's guilty. I don't get it right all the time, but at least I am conscious of it. I mm. know about it. Mm. And yeah, it's just the hope is in us. So That's hope is not in politicians. Yes. 
I hope it's not in <laughs> politics, mm. parties, policies. Uh, All you of know, this. I, not even I, in our own strength. Yes, eh? No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Our, not our own strength. Um, laws can't change the human heart. No, it can't. Um, but the gospel can. Mm. Mm. And as you say, and I heard you whispering, that's a huge responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially the church of Jesus Christ mm. is the hope of our nation. Mm. Yeah. And that, when you consider that, and you see how few churches are making intentional strides mm. in being multicultural churches that are non-racial, um, you just think, oh, Lord, would you wake us up? Yes. Um, all of us have chosen to be part of a church uh, whose vision statement is uh, reconciled to God through Jesus. We love all people, mm. advancing God's kingdom in the earth. And uh, um, I remember when we renamed our church that, where there was huge backlash. You guys might not have known that. But uh, we gathered people together. We started sharing. And the offensive word was reconciliation. Because yeah, the Truth and Reconciliation tree. Commission, TRC. Uh, uh, the TRC, really doesn't... It, didn't have a good reputation. Well, mm. it, but on almost anyone's front. So almost anyone has a strong view of that. And so this is a charged word. Mm. But, but our, the reason we chose it was not for that. It mm. was we all Just need to be meaning. reconciled to God through Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, yeah. 14 to, to uh, 16 or so. And um, then that reconciliation allows us to be reconciled to one another, to yeah. love all people. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just linking that, we feel a responsibility, contextualizing the gospel in our day, mm. in our history, mm. in our nation, means yeah. making progress on this. And, uh, Not just, and so it's super yeah. important. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is where I've, I've been challenged. <laughs> I've been challenged too because I have a strong personality when it comes to these things. Yeah. I have a timid personality. <laughs> where it's just like, let me just roll over. But then it, it, it grows inside yeah. you. So it, it doesn't pass. So yeah, God's we definitely need God. Yeah. This is what one of our core purpose statements, there's five core purpose statements. This is what one of them says. In a broken and divided country, we reconcile people to Christ and then also to one another. We're a non-racial, multicultural, cross-crossing community meaningfully involved in each other's lives for the sake of the purpose of Christ. And again, that's easy to pen. Mm. It's easy to put those words to paper. Mm. Uh, but I believe these are words that are worth doing. Mm. Uh, and that's why I'm part of this church. <laughs> uh, why are you part of this church? Uh, I'm sure there's friends who said, why are you going to that church? I won't say what they probably would have said. <laughs> why, why, why have you joined this church? I'm sure you faced that. Why are you part of this church? Because we're not Zulu enough. We're not Afrikaans enough. We're not white yeah. enough. We're, we're not anything enough. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think for me, maybe to go back as to how we even got to the church, um, just cutting a long story short, it was immediately after matric, um, just felt the, the urge to not follow in, in, in my parents' footstep. Um, <laughs> at the, first, it, the first initial thought was that. Um, and then sort of, there were a lot of questions, you know, when, 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 when you start growing up and you start sort of asking a lot of questions. Um, and then, and then it was just an opportunity that came at the right time, you know. Mm. And I was introduced to uh, at the time some Oasis Church. Yes, some relationships, and then to Oasis Church. And and to be quite honest, the first thing I I loved about the church was the fact that it was different. It wasn't like a church that I came from. It was different. So mm. at first I was inquisitive, to be quite honest. <laughs> like, let me check this Let's out. Let's see this. Let's see Let's this. See Let's this see goes. where this goes. Yeah. And then, and then I just saw how it sort of, even being in the church, sort of liberated me mm. in so many ways. Personality, how I view life, um, maybe even the opportunities I had. It was sort of like this liberation. And then 
after a few months realizing that actually it's just God doing the work. <laughs> mm. You know, it's not you who's doing the work and thinking you're clever. It was just God. And yeah. And talking about the, the need for, mm. for reconciliation in our country and the responsibility mm. uh, on the Church of Jesus Christ, not just our church. Yes. Uh, how does that now make you feel that you're, you are part of this church? I'll start by, by sort of like, I think I've said this, that I think this, even this podcast, I think this is God's journey for me because mm. joining this church, it was, uh, it's not something that I had foreplanned. It was mm. just like, just go here. And I came here and I felt at home. And, and uh, so I feel like, I, I don't know, I'm God's favorite because he's like really working on me. I'm stretched and I'm so, like I've said, this is the only time I've been with white people outside of a work environment. <laughs> yeah. and, I'm, and I'm realizing it's actually not scary. It's nice. <laughs> it's something that I had, you grow. Our diversity I, enriches us, actually. Yeah. So it's something that I've just always been afraid of, but I'm just like, actually... So now this is a view my mom has. You still, you remember when you went home and my mom was like, Kunamlongo, you know? And I was remember feeling so impressed. I'm like, my mom. But then I was also like that. Mm. So, but her generation is always like, you is the first white man to come to us, apart from the SANDF back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> the first man who came without, didn't wear my camera without kicking doors. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm like, maybe... Yeah, it is possible, but it takes intention. And the, the world, South Africa, needs to see churches mm. Mm. living this. Because right now it seems like an impossible thing. It's like, it's a dream that's like the rainbow nation in, in print again, but mm. it seems impossible because live, nobody's yeah. practicing it. Nobody's, so it is, as much as it's a big responsibility, but the church. My great joy in, in Rick Road is when I see people who are really just relating to each other mm. uh, and they don't see the color anymore. Yeah. They know they're different, but they, they love each other. Mm. They love uh, they're each in other. a trio, they're in a community group, they're uh, in a band together. Or <laughs> I, I pinch myself in moments like this and I think it's happening. Uh, mm. And I think there is always more of a journey, you know. I think yeah. that's some of what we're saying. That's definitely but also, true. there's something deeply, profoundly beautiful mm. uh, when we do follow God's journey on this. Hey, yeah. Um, and um, I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I really do believe that not just our church, but other churches, that God's intention would be that we would be a beacon of hope in our, mm. in our land and that the question would be how and the answer would be Jesus. Mm. And so it would point to the gospel again. Uh, just reading in Acts uh, chapter 11 uh, today mm. uh, in our Bible reading plan and Barnabas saw the grace of God in the church in Antioch. Mm -hmm. And what he was seeing was a multicultural church. Yeah. Uh, you can't see grace. <laughs> you see the evidence, you see mm. the result. Mm. And, um, and yeah, that's my prayer for, for, for our church. And that somehow that this podcast would, would catalyze that journey and, and take it deeper, take it further. Mm. Uh, cause people who've just uh, hidden these things in their hearts to, yeah. to feel like I can talk about these things and it'll be okay, you know. It'll be okay. Uh, and, and when it's not okay, because I'm sure there'll be one or two not okay moments, uh, we can overcome those and we can kind of get back on the, on the journey. Um, guys, thanks. It's, it's always nice to, to, to chat. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget when we were scheming about this uh, series of podcasts, we were thinking, mm -hmm. Maybe we'll do a 20-minute or 30-minute <laughs> episode. Uh, there's no ways we'll ever do that. Nah. But, uh, but yeah, we'd, we'd rather bring it to a close while people are still listening rather than <laughs> that they shut off. So thanks for being with us uh, again today. And thank you to Kozo and 
So to be left Thank for sharing you. and for being vulnerable. Uh, oh it's, uh, boy, it's so vulnerable. Uh, I hope you're not going to regret <laughs> too much. It's already, a... <laughs> I'm already going through it. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, we think Cetabila needs yeah. therapy. <laughs> I, I want to uh, encourage you, if you're listening, to, to not just listen to us, but to be intentional, mm. to take the opportunities that you've got, mm. to reach out towards someone else, uh, to maybe begin to think about your own experiences, how you've been shaped by this country, and to believe that God wants to heal you and mm. do a work in you. Because I believe all of us would say God's doing a work in us. Mm. So join us on that journey. And uh, next week we've got a, an episode we've been looking forward to entitled, I'm Not a Racist. Oh, I love and, uh, so we look forward to doing that with you next week. And so until next time, God bless you. Sorry.